0: This is Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to another edition of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I'm here with my friend, Boone Sheridan, who is uh, speaking to us from a church somewhere in Massachusetts. Is
1: that right? (laughs) That is absolutely correct. hundred-plus-year-old church in Holyoke, Mass.
0: What brought you to the church, Boone?
1: Uh, The space is beautiful. It's one thing to walk into a a big house or a big apartment or anything, but when you walk into a church, someplace that has been designed to have a beautiful physical space and the lights are spilling in from stained glass windows, I know it sounds trite, but you feel incredibly at peace and it's a space designed to be lived in and it just feels great.
0: Designed to be lived in. Interesting. I I, I thought you were going to say something like it, it just brings you closer to God, but uh, there is sort of a, a interesting livable experience in a church.
1: Yeah, I think because we're here by ourselves, it's, desi- it's designed to be con- You know, it's designed for the congregation and and people to be in there. So it's a little bit different when it's just myself, my wife, and the cats. But it just it feels great, and it feels like there's something bigger than just the walls, the roof, and the stained glass.
0: Oh, that, that's amazing. I, 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 one of these days I have to get up there. Um, uh, and in fact, I, I don't get to see you often enough, but I, I, we've known each other for many years now. And I, I kind of think of you as uh, something of a Swiss army knife of UX. Uh, you, you're someone who can do pretty much everything and, and do it really well. And that really kind of pisses me off at times because you know, I'm <laughs> envious. And, and then to throw it all in my face even more, you've got this great voice that, um, you know, just makes me sound like crap during a podcast, so thanks for that as well. Um, So I'm going to let you do most of the talking. I I have a question for you to get you started. Um, You know, one of the things that I know you've been thinking about, and I'm certainly thinking about quite a bit as we kind of reach this sort of new point in the field of UX with lots of new people who've come out of... um, in many cases, some non-traditional educational programs. I'm thinking places like General Assembly, where I know you've taught before, um, as well as many academic programs. Uh, you know, from traditional in traditional settings. You know, so it's all these people out there doing UX, and then there's a lot of us who kind of been at it for a while, and and there's enough of us at these different points in our careers to sort of ask the question for each other. Um, what would you do differently now that you've got some experience in the field? The, the people who are just coming out of these new programs, I think they really need answers to that question. And I also think it's useful for old farts like you and me to, to ask it of ourselves. So you, you've been at this for a while, I think, what, 15 years or so? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what do you wish you would have known starting out?
1: It's a great question, and it's one that I've been struggling with because I've asked it of other people, as I have done some time uh, doing critique sessions at General Assembly or talking to folks that are entering the field or have joined the field recently, trying to figure out what they need to get to the next step. What's the next stage of their career uh, to get better and to get To make their work better in a lot of ways. What I found that was really challenging for me was it was hard for me to say there was one thing I really wish I'd known. And when I asked some other folks who are about my level, uh, you know, what's the thing you wish you had someone wish you had taught you? I said, I finished this sentence. I wish someone had taught me about blank. And it was really hard because after so long, I think it's hard to remember that one critical moment, and you get larger issues. Like, I wish I'd done this, or I wish I'd done this. For me, I found out, uh, the more I thought about it, it's like, I wish I had learned more theory. And it sounds strange, because that idea of, I came into UX as a person who fit between the spaces. And so I came to UX as someone who interviewed at a company... And met with the head of operations, the head of editorial, head of design, technology, uh, all of that. This was uh, in the mid-90s. And when I went to the, the company, called me back a couple of days later and said, we have a bit of a conundrum. Everyone wants you for their team. And that's great, but we don't want someone to lose. Like, we don't want one group to lose you so another group can have you. So we're thinking of creating this group and we're calling it the production group. And we're going to have you and a few other people who seem to fit this same pattern of living in the space between Mm -hmm. and helping translate the information and translate between groups. So I leapt right into UX due to my communication skills and my ability to synthesize information and move it between groups meaningfully, not just pick up a memo and walk it across the hall, but to say, hey, and this is a very specific example. We're about to install a new uh, a new version of Microsoft Front Page on the server, and that's going to change the way we've done things. We won't be able to use a whole bunch of templates we built, so maybe let's give us give ourselves a little more time before we change our templates. And if we change our templates, we should talk to the editorial team about what that means for structuring their stories because we can't just push stories out to the web the way we were doing them before. We'll have to change their structure. And so instead of that terrible cascade effect of something going up on uh, on the server, breaking a bunch of templates, and then making the editorial staff upset, we were kind of able to cobble together a plan and took a little more time, was a little more thoughtful, and things worked better. And I think that's kind of my career in a lather, rinse, repeat. You know, find what one group is doing, make sure it, it doesn't negatively impact another, roll it in with changes for something else and keep going.
0: Well, there's a couple of things in there that you mentioned that, that I think go beyond that, right? Um, one was filling gaps. I, I may be rewording a bit of what you're saying, but you're finding the sort of spaces in between that aren't being occupied and, and that an organization may not realize even exist. And I, I certainly feel like I've had that experience again and again. Oh, geez, this needs to get done. I guess I'll do it. Um, Because nobody else seems to think it's worth doing. Um, And uh, it's sort of like, um, you know, the kid who's willing to be the catcher on the baseball team or the goalie on on the soccer team. Those jobs are kind of unattractive, but uh, there's a certain appeal to being useful and, and then almost taking this, this area that's just sort of unacknowledged and doesn't sound very interesting and actually bringing it up to to a level of art.
1: Absolutely, and I think it's a big change in how UX and design have been approached, right? Because from going from, I think I've spoken about this specifically, going from where there were three books, you know, in the early days, I think I kept Webmaster in a nutshell, Jacob Nielsen's uh, web usability and the polar bear book on my desk because those were the only books I had access to and those are the only ones that spoke to what I was doing but now though there's more of us and there's more and we've learned more and that's what's kind of amazing about the last uh, let's call it let's say the last 15 years we've learned so much more and there's so much more to know which is good and bad right it's hard it's there's space in between has become its own space and with it now you need more definition and with it you need more mm-hmm. you need the ability to say what are the things that a great UX person should know instead of well let me just grab my catcher's mitt and I'll just catch anything that goes my way or I'll stand in front of the soccer net and I'll just block anything right we've almost and this is I, I'm, I always get scared when I say we because I really can't speak to experience beyond myself but it feels like UX went from reactive to now proactive. Mm-hmm. Co- companies realize not only do they need it, but they need lots of it. And it's a driving factor for major decisions. It's a driving factor for whether or not a company is successful. It's, it's spoken about with the calm casualness that would have befuddled me 15 years ago. and going, wow. I mean, before I would have gone, you know what UX is?
0: A, well this is amazing yeah I mean you know we at those in those days we were operating without any kind of common vocabulary and and uh, I mean it's really hard to talk with people when you just don't have the words for the concepts mm-hmm. but you know there's another the other concept or idea that you brought up a little earlier that that seems in line with what you were just talking about uh, where we're becoming more proactive is is the ability uh, and almost the requirement um, that I don't think is really Taught or necessarily understood well uh, to do a synthesis, to take different strands of knowledge that might be the product of, of research activities, it might be the, the product of just different people on a team, and putting it together and creating some sort of new insight and ultimately a new product. And, and that's really, uh, you know, sort of a magical activity that I, I don't know if it can be taught. You can. I don't know that it's being taught in the sense that I don't know how many programs are saying synthesis. It's really important. You need to know something about this, and and you're going to have to be able to do it to be successful. But even if they're doing that, I I don't know if you can actually um, get any kind of direct experience without having been in the field for a while after your education.
1: I agree completely, and thank you for the softball. Because I have a card in front of me that I've been working on for a while as I try to define my own work process. And one are the things that I think when I talk to people about what can you do to be better and what are the things that take you from good to great, the four things I have listed are better be, being able to interpret data and data being you know, whatever information, not just hard financial or numerical data, being able to synthesize data being able to ask better questions, and being able to clarify goals. So the idea of data synthesis, and and this came up in – this has come up so many times. And my favorite was a recent conversation with uh, another Brooklynite friend of ours, Carl Collins, where the idea was synthesizing data is one of the most important things you can do in a project or to be successful, but it is incredibly hard to teach – could you teach it Mm -hmm. and we went back and forth and we never really found an answer we got about halfway through the bottle of mezcal and figured we you know we we had lost a little bit of the thread as the mezcal went uh, as the mezcal went bit by bit but we had this challenge of moving from theory to experience synthesis is something that it sort of sits in between them you can learn as much theory as you want But until you get that experience of taking the data or taking the information from something, taking the information from multiple disciplines and synthesizing it and turning it into something useful, it's incredibly hard. And I I think I hear this a lot when talking to folks about user research, right? Um, How many times do you struggle with a board full of observations but you have to turn them into something that's a usable set of insights.
0: Well, you know, now you're giving me a softball. Um, I don't know if you know, I wrote an article on this topic for a list apart a couple of years ago <laughs> and, uh, and Aaron Walter from a time MailChimp wrote a, a companion piece, um, just sort of scratching the surface of this idea. And, uh, damn it. One of these days I'm going to find someone to write a book on this. And, uh, I think there's so much power there, but, uh, So these are very, in a way, these are concrete areas that people need to know they're going to encounter if they're new to the field and and need to be, you know, ideally someone's making them aware. But one of the things I'm not hearing from you and and I'm kind of curious about is just how to feel when you're in this field and and there's so much you're not going to know and you don't have the vocabulary to make yourself clear and to be understood by other people and you don't have the history both as an individual and in terms of this field so that people take you as seriously as mm-hmm. um, you may want them to and um, you're just one of those weird people ultimately that's in between many things and you are that glue that pulls things together if given the opportunity but you are in this horrible you know, chicken and egg situation where you may not have the confidence to. get the permission Mm -hmm. to pull all those people and types of research and other threads together. That's hard and um, one of the things I'm finding, uh, and I'm 51 years old and I'm just figuring this out, is the need to practice. So I don't mean like practice developing your wireframing skills. I just mean practice understanding yourself and understanding what it means to do work of this type so that you kind of inoculate yourself or you build up enough resistance to the various barriers that are going to be thrown up in your way uh, and maybe it's not just practice kind of good habits of like understanding yourself and your, your own value but building up the support network and knowing where to turn when
1: you get stuck or, or when you're just plain hurting. Absolutely. Uh, having a peer group, and and this is something that, again, keeps coming up, is there's peer groups and then there's people you look to for inspiration. And it can be really frustrating when you look to folks for inspiration when you really should be looking to folks for peer – for guidance and for peer mentoring, that sort of thing. It's a little awkward. Let me try this again. I think there's a huge difference between the people who inspire you and your peers who can help you do the work that you're doing right now. And what you touched on is incredibly important. Building out a level of practice and building out some place where you can find other people going through your challenges, understanding how they've approached them, what their successes were, where they were less successful. Uh, It's a huge challenge. And especially when you look on you know, Twitter and Medium and all sorts of other places where people are posting about these amazing things they're doing and hear all these people speaking and doing stuff that you'll never necessarily do right now. You've got other things to do. I think there's a balance. And that struggle the, the daily struggle of how do I get my work done can be overwhelming. And I do think that There's a huge challenge if you're an in-between person that you often lack a clear definition and you sometimes lack the purview, one of my favorite words, you lack the purview to do this work. So sometimes that work gets taken away from you Mm -hmm. and recognizing when you can fight the good fight as it were and when maybe you do have to step back and say, use that terrible phrase, it's not the hill I'm going to die on today. Um, I think... Most of the folks I've known over the years who have been in UX for a while and have thrived have a little bit of fire, but also know when to keep their powder dry to keep abusing all the metaphors.
0: <laughs> I, I think what we're talking about is, uh, is is not really professional wisdom. It's human wisdom. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's not really uh, fair to expect someone starting out to really be there, and especially if they're you know, on, on the young side. Um, so uh, what, do we, what do we tell those people? What, you know, you can't be wise right away. No. You're just going to have to learn the hard <laughs> way and spend 15 years and break your back in the mines <laughs> before you get there. I used, there to, a little faster.
1: I used to have to write my wireframes on the back of a shovel, walking uphill to school both ways. Uh, I don't think that's a reasonable message for anyone anymore. Um, I, I think... There are things that you can seek out, and the way I've looked at it is, I think there are four things you need to be successful, because people like lists. Um, You need to understand the theory behind what you do, and this comes from that sense of what is the discipline, whether it's design, whether it's business, whether it's psychology, whether it's sociology, whatever you're doing, you have to have a sense of, as my friend Matt says you can't just do something and have it be right you have to know why it was right you can't try multiple times and flail and flail and if you're lucky that doesn't count you have to understand some of the theory behind what you do you have to have some level of experience doing it whether it's getting your hands dirty and doing your own projects and showing them to people whether it's experience on the job you have to have some sense of doing it you can't just walk in throw clay onto a wheel and make a vase, right? At some point in time, you have to practice. You have to keep working on it. Like we said before, I think you need inspiration. You need people who can point you to big ideas, new ideas, people that can get you fired up and say, here's where we're going. Here's where we think we're heading. Or wouldn't it be cool if we all went here? You've got to have something to keep you fired up and feel like you're doing the right thing. But on top of that, you need guidance, and whether that's mentoring, whether that's a peer group, you need someone who can help nudge you one way or the other, or even listen to you in that moment of, I think I'm losing my mind, I'm trying to do this, I'm being told this, what do you think? And even just for someone at times to say, yeah, that sounds totally screwy, I, 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 how are you dealing with it? I'm better now that someone else agrees with me. And then, you know, sort of swallow that moment and move on. Um, Or for someone to say, well, have you thought about trying coming at it this way or this way? Um, So it's not just inspiration. Some guidance and mentoring has to go in there with it. And I feel like as I try to put myself together, when my career has stuttered, it's because I've been lacking in one of those. Right? I had lots of experience um, in the communication because of my my you know classic Overtrained liberal arts career, I could communicate really well. Um, But I didn't have a lot of the theory of why the web did what it did. And as I got more of that theory, suddenly now the experience and the theory were connecting. And I started to get bored. And I need someone who could step in and say, hey, why don't you start pushing your career and pushing yourself and go this way? And I was like, great, now I'm doing it. And now I'm frustrated because I tried it for the first couple of times and I stunk at it. I needed someone to kick me in the butt and say, you're not going to be right every time. You got to keep going. Um, and traditionally, in my life, in my professional life, heck, and personal life, when I lack in one of those four areas, it's visible and it's obvious.
0: Boone, I think uh, that recipe is is an important one, not just for people starting out, but clearly, if you're trying to build an organization and create and attract and retain and develop talent, um, you better have those four ingredients in place. So Let's finish up with a, a, just a recap of the four ingredients one more time.
1: Uh, I think they're theory, knowledge, deep knowledge of the the discipline, what you're doing, whatever it is, have that knowledge of theory, experience doing it, whether it's little bits and pieces or the big projects, it doesn't matter. Get your hands dirty, do the work. You know, there's, I, I don't, I think the 10,000 hours of practice thing has been thoroughly debunked now so that's awesome I'm glad that's off the plate but you have to do things a few times you have to figure out why you thought it would work but it didn't work get your hands dirty you need inspiration you need to be able to have someone to look to and understand where where am I going with this I need a moment I'm I'm having a low moment Who can I look to to inspire me and say, that's something I want to do. That's where I could be going or that's where I want to bring my work and the people I work with. And then you need the guidance. You need someone not necessarily to inspire you, but someone to help you get through the day-to-day. Everyone likes to have a North Star to aim for, but damn it, sometimes you need someone to have a cup of coffee with at 9.30 in the morning when you're going, I don't know if I can take another day of this. Well,
0: Boone, that's fantastic. You know, you kind of boiled it down, you you distilled it to something that I think is going to be useful for people whether they're starting out or like I said, uh, trying to help other people grow their careers and and be better parts of a team and uh, I know we could probably talk for a few more hours but this is a good place to to wrap it up so let's do that and uh, thanks Boone. great talking with you.
1: Always a pleasure Lou
0: Take care